the Extreme Home Makeover, I found it very fitting that lesson number two would be on marriage. Last week was God's divine design, and this week is taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary. That's what marriage is about. That's what our relationship is about. Today we're going to be talking about, and I found it so fitting to talk about, the wedding at Cana. And because it is a a wedding ceremony, I thought it's fitting to sing a song that you probably hear at weddings, but yet, to me, it really talks about faith and encourages your life. And how all of us need to be reminded that Christ needs to be the center of our life and we need to build a household of faith. And that without him, we can't stand. And his husband and wives and his boyfriend and girlfriend start to establish a great foundation for your marriage and for your relationship. Let God move in your life.
Amen. So used to dismissing the kids, and I've been dismissing them during the song, so um, didn't have my Bible up here. This morning I'm excited. How many of you want to say, you know what, in my relationship I want to take my marriage to the next level? Raise your hands. Okay, for those who didn't, well, good luck to you. And uh, just kidding. You'll do it. I believe in you. And, uh, you know, I am I'm so excited. I know that within our relationship, um, you know, and I want you to realize, too, that as we do this extreme home makeover, that uh, you must realize that turning the ordinary and making it extraordinary takes work, not only in our personal life, but in our Christian life. We need to take our relationship with the Lord to the next level. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Extreme Home Makeover Series on Marriage. Hit it, Lou. Hit it, Ty. Welcome. We hope you have a great time on this TV series. Can you please turn my mic up just a little bit? Thank you. Um, Listen to this story. A woman accompanied her husband to the doctor's office for a checkup. Afterwards, the doctor took the wife aside and said, unless you do the following things, your husband will surely die. Every morning, make sure he gets a good healthy breakfast. Have him come home for lunch each day so you can feed him a well balanced meal. Make sure you feed him a good hot dinner every night. And please, don't overburden him with any household chores. The dream of every man. Also, keep the house spotless and clean so he doesn't get exposed to any unnecessary germs. On the way home, the husband asked his wife, so what did the doctor say to you? She replied, I'm sorry you're going to die. (laughs) Guess she's not taking care of him now, is she? Please turn, if you would, please, in your Bible to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. God bless you. John chapter 2, one of the four Gospels. We're going to be reading in verses 1 through 11. A wedding feast was the location of Jesus' first public miracle. Why? Could it be because marriage is the one earthly relationship that illustrates his relationship to the church? Could it be because marriage and family are the cornerstone of a society? Jesus could have performed his first miracle in the synagogue or in the marketplace or in the halls of government, but he chose to start a wedding which reminds us of the beginning when God created man and woman and brought them together in Eden. 
Read with me, if you would, please. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. They were invited as guests at this wonderful celebration. And when they wanted wine, and when they actually, the verse actually means interpreted in the King James Version, when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. What he was saying was, Listen, Mom, come on, you guys have all been there. Mind your own business for a change, all right? Really what he was saying was, I don't want to show them my messiahship right now. I don't want them to see who I am. If I expose it, then you know what? I've got to wait for the right timing. Let God do his work. Isn't it amazing? God always has a way. Thank God he's in control. Because if we take control, our flesh gets in the way, and then it's all, all messed up. It's kind of like in our marriages. When we allow the Holy Spirit to help us to communicate to our loved one and to our spouse, it changes things. But when our flesh gets in the way, we ruin our relationship with our loved one. Let's continue in verse 5. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. That's a lot of water. You're going, what's a firkin? I don't have a clue. Well, you asking me, act like I'm the pastor. Just kidding. It's gallons and gallons and gallons and gallons and gallons and gallons of, of actually water. Isn't it amazing? He could have said, you know what, I'm going to walk over and just take my hand and walk by, by those big pots. And really, in, in, in a Jewish wedding, you know, it's kind of insulting if the family runs out of wine. So, you know, that's why she, Mary was so concerned about, Jesus, look, I mean, that would be a shame to, to the people and to, to everybody that's there, all the guests. I know the feeling. We got married, and thank God we had like 10 people left. We ran out of food at our reception. Yes, it happens. It was a nightmare. It's embarrassing, but it happens. We did get a little bit of a refund back because they messed up. I mean, we told them to make it for like 250 people, and I think they made it for 220, but, you know, it was not a good situation so you don't want it to happen to you so i'm sure at the same time the bridegroom they were both thinking you know what uh we're running out of wine and so here's what's happening his mother said unto him servants whatsoever he says unto you do it so mary's telling the disciples you know listen to jesus if he tells you to go get pitcher after pitcher after pitcher and and fill up these big huge barrels of water go do it Verse 6, and there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor, actually bear unto the bridegroom of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tested the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. 
the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, and that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth. And it's awesome because the word manifestation means revealed. He manifested, he revealed forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Here he was out doing a work. And it's a wedding ceremony, a wonderful ceremony. You know, you always go through everything. You go down through the list. Is the photographer there? Is the videographer there? You know, is the aisle runner present? Do we have all the flowers? Do we have all the food? And some people hire a wedding planner. And they go, check, 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 check. And why is it the day of the wedding? And I've been there. I'll say, do you have the rings? And the best man looks at me and goes, no. He looks at the groom, do you have the rings? No. Well, where are they? I don't know where they're at. They're in the car. That was my story. Isn't that terrible? We're in the back room. Eddie looks at me and goes, okay, I need Becky's ring. And I'm like, I don't know where it's at. So we ran to the back parking lot, ripped out all of our luggage because we were going on a cruise. And there in my shaving bag was the wedding engagement ring. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Or the band. And so, uh, you know, it happens. But we go through the list. And we say, we've got everything. Just like Jesus to say, wait a minute, I've got everything. I see the way it's supposed to go around here. But you know what? In God's timing, I will manifest myself and reveal the miracle that's going to take place. We already realized that they doubted. They didn't know. But you know what? As they were pouring it into the, the wine glass, what are those called? Chaps? Chaps? What, what are they called? Goblets? I don't know what they're... Chellis. Thank you. As they were pouring it into the chellis, it's turning red as wine. Could you imagine? The disciples were like, Wow! That's amazing! It's amazing what God can do if we allow Him to work in our life. He took something ordinary... And at that moment, Jesus made it extraordinary. Great celebration. Things are going on. But the governor went to the bridegroom and said, Check this out. You've got to taste this. This is amazing. And at that moment, can you just imagine? The Spirit of the Lord must have come down in that room. And the Shekinah glory of God must have just shone. And people were, were probably in awe thinking, Wow, God is in our midst. What a great celebration. Oftentimes when I see couples come to my office, and I leave there and Becky and I pray earnestly for that husband and wife, that God will restore their marriage, restore their relationship. I often want to just say, thank you, God, when I see he, that He takes just an ordinary couple and He makes them an extraordinary couple. You'll never get there if you don't get to the end of yourself 
you'll never get to the beginning of God. If your marriage and your relationship is suffering, James 4, 6, as I quoted it this morning, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Take just a moment. Put aside your pride. Go sit on the couch next to your husband or your wife and talk it through. Say, can we take a walk in this 18-degree weather? And just say, you know what? If he wants to take a walk with me, I'm taking a walk. So you just put layers and layers of clothes on. And then, if she needs to take a walk, you take a walk. You know why? Because you're humbling yourself. You're making time for your loved one. Here are three keys to turning the ordinary into the extraordinary. One, you must invite Jesus. Two, you must recognize your need. And then three, yield glory to God. Mark 10.9 says, What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Let no man separate. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning, would you help me to communicate your words, encourage your people, your children, through your word. Father, I pray that you'll just hide me in the shadows. Help me to do a work, Father, that, Lord, I'm not speaking, but that the Holy Spirit is, is reaching and grabbing a hold of, of lives, Father. And I know that you love your church. You love the sanctity of marriage and the foundation of marriage. For the church is your bride. So, Father, may we learn to love you like you love your church. So, Father, if there are some here today that they don't have a significant other. Father, would you help them, encourage them to fall deeper in love with you, understand what their relationship is to you. Father, may your word prosper, may not come back void. I ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You must invite Jesus. Turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Some of you are going to say, oh, there goes Pastor He's going to that marriage chapter. This is fun for me. You know, I have to stick with my notes because I'm afraid that I'll go off on some tangent. I'll never get back to where I'm supposed to go. Marriage is a great topic, and it lacks in church. Like I've said, this is the first time in seven years that I've spoke on marriage. But it's fun and it's exciting. And I can't wait till the very end when I can challenge each and every one of you to, to take it to that next level. Because that's what it's about. Growing and going and going to the next level in your relationship as husband and wife. Your relationship with your spouse reflects your relationship with Christ. Marriage is symbolic of the church. Let's go ahead and we're going to read, starting with verse 22. Verse 22. And it says this. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. He must have preeminence in your marriage. How does that work out practically in how you relate to one another? I'm going to show you two things. First is the first S word, submission. Submission is the proper way for a wife to relate to her husband's need for respect. Go ahead. A lot of you women are going, I don't 
want you to listen to the preacher. I hate that word. It's like a cuss word in our house. Don't use that word, submit. And man, be careful. Don't sit over there and go, I love when you submit to me. You know it, baby. Listen closely. Quit tapping her. Submission is respect for one another. Do you hear me? Respect for one another. I think we miss it in our, our circles of influence. In the old, you know, as, that, as the husband and wife come down the aisle and you, you say the, the vows in the wedding, I will cherish, love, honor, and submit. In so many of the, the ceremonies, the word submit isn't even in there. And, uh, and I have actually seen couples just turn beat red with that word. But I guess if we would really expound on that word submit, we'd say respect one another. Cherish one another. Listen, if hubby tells you, honey, that bothers me that you're wearing that blouse, or, you know, I really, I would like to see in this today. Is it really all that hard to change for him? And she says, you know, could you wear this today? First of all, men, how many of, of your wives set up your clothes? Go ahead, admit it. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate it. Ryan, even mom gets my clothes up. Thanks, Bruce. I appreciate it, Dave. And <laughs> the rest of us, Jerry, Pastor Jerry goes, yep, it's me too. And <laughs> so we can all say that, and it's, and it's real. But it's just respect for one another. You want that level of respect for one another. Because it's important. It's not saying, listen, lady. And for you authoritarians in here, hogwash. Quit looking and acting like your wife's less. Yes, the Bible calls her the weaker vessel. I'm going to show you why the Bible calls her that. Not because she's weak. If she's weak, then you take care of her. and You, go, you continue to go out and work three jobs and let her stay at home and take care of the kids if she's that weak. No, you work together. She's not the weaker vessel. You're partners in this journey together to love one another, to respect one another. That's what true submission is all about. And if you don't grab a hold of that submission and that level of respect for one another, you'll never go with it. i got to tell you, I decorate all the Christmas trees in the house. My wife says to me when the Christmas trees came down, thank you, honey, for staying with me all day and helping me get these trees down. Well... It's called respect, and we work together. It takes all day. Sometimes it takes all week. Depends on how many people are at the house helping you. And, uh, but you know what? There's a lot of work to be done at Christmas time. But yet, you respect one another. Man, quit sitting there. Hurry, you're looking good, baby. Keep it up. Yeah, did you check this out? Yeah. And she's over there slaving, got a kid on her hip, and you know, a towel in her hair, and you know, running around the house. Work together. Love one another, submit to one another, honor one another. That's what marriage is about. It's exciting. And when you do that, it makes a happier marriage. Men, do you hear what I'm saying? It makes for a happier marriage. Let's continue. I love Ephesians 5. I could, I, I could really pre probably preach a message on two verses for probably three weeks but I won't do that nor bore you with it. But I think it's great. 
And the second S is selfless love. Selfless love is the proper way for a husband to relate to his wife's need for security. Let's go to verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands, love your wives. Just gives you butterflies inside, doesn't it? Sure does, preacher. Preach it on. I love my wife. Thank you. I appreciate that from back there in the overflow section. Husbands, love your wives. Watch what the word has to say, though. That he might sanctify it. That he might set her apart. Do you hear what it's saying? That he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Treat your wife with respect, young person. If you're not respecting that young lady or that young man, get with the program. Christ says, even about his church, we're to sanctify it, set it apart. We shouldn't be doing things in this building that they're doing in the world. We need to let people know that when they come to the house of God, that they feel his presence, that his love is here, and that we're encouraged by his word. We need to set it apart. Wives, have you got on your knees and prayed this week? Have you prayed over your children? Are you the lady and the mother in that house that just, the kids can look at it and say, I see mom reading that book. To help her become a godlier woman. Women, I know you deal with a lot. You really do. I mean, you deal with more emotional things than most of us men. And my heart goes out to you. And I know menopause is not easy. My heart goes out to you men. Oh, I mean, you men. So, (laughs) Okay, I just had to say that. Got through that one. And you know what? As we grow together, you'll learn to set apart your wife. Treat her with the level of honor and respect. Love her. Love is an action. Show her that you love her. But be careful, ladies, because I love what the Scripture has to say. Verse 28. So ought men to love their wives even as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh... But he nourisheth it, and he cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, and of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Last week we we learned that uh, we must leave, and then we go and cleave. So that's where we get it from. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless... Let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverences her husband, that she respects her husband, that she honors her husband. I read an article a couple of years ago about an incident in Orlando, Florida. 
Here it is. An 83-year-old man died after he laid injured in his yard for three days, ordering his wife not to call the doctors. Glenn Shively was found dead with his wife by his side. He had been working in his yard when he fell and was able, unable to get back up. Mr. Shively told his 79-year-old wife, Harriet, not to call authorities because of previous bad experiences that he had with doctors and hospitals. So she brought her husband food, water, and medicine. And she covered him up with a tarp during rainstorms. She slept beside him in a, at least once during those three days. The temperature once dropped to 55 degrees and almost two and a half inches of rain fell in Orlando, Florida. I don't know what was on Harriet's mind. She loved the man deeply, neighbor Tim Elfman said. If he said, don't call anybody, I guess she figured he would get up. The two were found when their son-in-law came by to check up on them. Mrs. Shively was transported to Florida Hospital East where she was listed in fair condition. Neighbors could not see the pair because of a fence around the junk strewn yard. They wanted to be left alone, and we left them alone, neighbor Sherman Brunel said. Maybe we shouldn't have left them alone. Why did I read that story? Because that's a story of, of respect, of love, of honor, of reverence. I could see my wife, honey, don't call anybody. She'd be like, sorry, Todd, you're going. And I do appreciate that. Sometimes we don't have our bearings if something happens. But she loved him so much, and she reverenced her husband so much that she did whatever she, it took to keep him stable and alive. But unfortunately, that didn't work. He ended up going home. But I'm sure that her love for that man made a difference. They spent all those years together. Men, learn to love your wife. Women, learn to reverence and honor her. And I'm going to say this to you because of lack of time, I can't go into it. I know some of you women have had some abusive men. Some of you men have had some abusive women. And it's caused divorce. But as you start off this new marriage, I want you to look for some standards and guidelines. Line them up with the Bible. When a man says, I've got to go hunting. When a man says, I've got to go fishing. And I've got to get away, I've got to get away, I've got to get away, I've got to get away. Why are you married, buddy? Is it a convenience? Work together. And you remember this. As you work together doesn't mean you're cowardly. It means you're a man of character. It means you're a man of integrity. And it means you're a godly man. Because that's exactly what the Bible says. You're going to take care of yourself. You're going to take care of your wife. I applaud you men today for the level of love that you've given and you've shown to your significant other or to your wife. It's important. Number two, you must recognize your need. Turn back with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. You must recognize your needs. Your relationship with your spouse is critical to your Christian walk. 
I want to read this to you because I, you know, God's word is so wonderful. I could just stand up here and read it because I, I, I just love his word. It says this in verse 1. And, and really what Peter's doing is he's speaking to the church and he's speaking to people and he's saying, listen, here is the behavior of a wife. Here's the behavior of a husband. And this is how you're supposed to act and react. Likewise, you wives be in subjections to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Wow. Be careful what you say to her. If you want to win her over, then learn how to communicate. It helps. Verse 2. While they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating of the hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trust in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. Let's not misconstrue what I'm trying to say here. Ladies look like a lady. But what Peter's trying to say is, listen, beauty's only skin deep. And some of you could say, oh, I can attest to that one. My son-in-law married, or my son married this woman, and, you know, beauty was only skin deep in that relationship. We can all say that. Be careful. And what Peter's saying is, understand their heart. Understand what motivates them. Do people see what motivates you? Do your children see what motivates you, Mom? Peter's saying, listen, just because you look like a woman, neck like a woman, don't mean you're a godly woman. Get in the Word. Stay in the Word. Be won by the conversation of the Word. Verse 6, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, your husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but con- contrary-wise, blessing. Now, here's what I, I look at it. Let's just stop there for a minute. Don't do a tit for a tat. I'm going to show him. He says, I'm going to show her. She says, I'm going to show him. He says, I'm going to show her. And that's what that scripture actually means, not rendering evil for evil. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Show humility. Show love and kindness. And then he says this, that you shall inherit a blessing. If you don't play tit for tat, if you don't do a railing for a railing, we're not talking construction here, God will give you a blessing. Just because somebody's ugly don't mean you have to be ugly. It doesn't mean that. What we need to realize is that God is continually doing a work in His church and in you. And He wants to pour out His blessings upon your life, upon your relationship, and upon your marriage. Be careful how you treat people, it says. Because if you do, I don't want to lose that reward. I don't want to lose that blessing. But you know what? Always do this. Cheers, God. I'm leaving it with you. 
when we take matters in our own hands within our relationship with some of the, the obstacles that we face. Listen, I know that you face financial hardship. I know you face emotional hardship. Maybe sexual hardship. Intimacy is lacked within the marriage. Allow God to restore that relationship. Put down a little bit of that pride and allow humility to take place so that your marriage can be renewed and restored. It's important. And then it says this, verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him speak peace. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Men and women, be careful how you treat one another. I'm here to tell you it's not Christ-like. Your words can cut deep and they can hurt. Be very, very careful. Here are seven practical steps for improvement. One, trust. In order to trust, both need to maintain absolute honesty and transparency to provide a basis for mutual confidence. Two, communicate. Keep lines of communication open. There must be constant readiness to talk things out. This includes the willingness to say, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? We've had a policy in almost 20 years. Becky and I really try hard in our marriage never letting the sun go down upon our wrath. So we've never gone to sleep angry, disappointed, sometimes having some differences, but not being angry. Of course, we've gone without sleep for a few days at a time. But we try not to let the sun go down upon our wrath. Overlook. Show grace by overlooking minor faults and idiosyncrasies. Love covers a multitude of sins. Don't demand perfection in others when you are unable to produce it yourself. Let me tell you this. My wife loves that comment. That's why I thought I'd walk away from my pulpit. I'm going to put myself down. Don't take notes. And uh, because I'm a perfectionist, over the years I'd say, I want you to look this way, act this way, dress this way, talk this way. Yes, this message is for me today. I was the one who'd say, honey, you know, I'd really prefer, even though my communication was sweet and sugar and all that kind of stuff, to her she wasn't thinking it was sweet and sugar, it was bitter. And she didn't want to taste it. So we need to realize that we've got to be careful if you are a perfectionist, if you do show grace, even as a mother. And I, by the way, I've asked permission from my wife if I could use illustrations from my marriages. See, that's respect. Am I practicing? Or was that submission? I'm not sure. But anyhow, as we move forward, uh, so anyhow, I know that we've worked hard to realize that what makes her tick might be something different than myself. That's what brings two people together. And you learned last week that the two shall become one. Take your differences and, and listen, listen, listen. Listen to each other. Communicate with one another. Realizing that sometimes men, as you saw that video last week from Chandra Pierce, she was pregnant. And all the while, she's trying to tell him, holding up baby clothes, he's oblivious. He doesn't even have an idea that she's pregnant. And so at the very end, for some that weren't here, she's like, he's like, honey, I just, I get it now. And they're joining hands and looking at each other. And 
He says, I'll let you pick out the color of the bowflex. He still didn't get it. After all that, we need to listen. We need to honor. We need to respect. Marriage is, is difficult enough, and we have enough, as you, you've heard me say before, dealing with some of the obstacles. You know, relationships are difficult because you've got two different worlds colliding together. So remember to overlook sometimes minor faults of your loved one. Unite. Work together for unity and decision-making, child-raising, and especially in spending, saving, and giving of your finances. It's very, very important. A lot of times we fail to, to realize that. Over, avoid overspending, installment buying, and the desire to keep up with the Joneses. Debt creates tension and division. Lord knows that one. It's rough. It's rough for, I always say, if you're between 20 and 30, or 30 and 40, and you're on maybe your second marriage, and you're trying to make this work, it is difficult because now you're establishing new rules, new guidelines, new things for your home. Because now, where you were single, now you're married, and you might have seven children because you brought your families together. And so now you're going, okay, can we afford this? Can we Be careful what that financial strain will, will put upon in your marriage because it does that. And, and it, beca- it can become very, very negative. But we've all done it. We've all been there. And I'm speaking from experience. So just really try and try and try hard to, to make decisions and do them slow, work them out together, and more than anything, pray together. Work. Remember that love is a commandment not an uncontrollable emotion. Love is not all honey and no bees. Love is hard work. Love means all that is included in 1 Corinthians 13, and you heard me say it above all, charity. So we need to love. For instance, love is courteous. Love will keep you from criticizing or contradicting your spouse in front of others. Love will keep you from quarreling in front of your children, which could undermine with their security. And these and a hundred other ways. Love creates a happy atmosphere in the home, and rules out strife and separation. Please work together. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not your way, because if it's just your way, you know what? She might grab her bags and take the highway. So work on it together. Make the relationship workable and doable as husband and wife. Renew. Tell your spouse that if you had to do it over, you would do it again and again and again, and again. Isn't that special? You're going, all right, sure you would. It's encouragement. There's no one else you would rather spend your life with. Communicate your love, even if you don't feel like it. Men, tell your wife you love her. I heard of one couple that had been married for almost 40 years, Jerry and Peggy Christopher, and the husband had never told his wife that he loved her. She brought it up one day in a disagreement, and he responded by saying, I told you I loved you when we got married, and if it ever changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> he tells everybody that in the church, doesn't he, Peggy? So I'm saying it publicly. Jerry, look her in the eyes and say, Honey, I love you with all my heart. <laughs> I will talk. I know. <laughs> when I heard him say that, and I always say this, Gerald Lee, you're not right. <laughs> so he's not right, but that's why we love him. Ask. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Go on a marriage en- enrichment retreat. Really? That would be awesome. 
Oh, my wife would love to go on a marriage enrichment retreat. That would be the best thing we've ever done in our relationship. Hmm. March, what is it again? Acro Methodist Temples have a Gary Smalley. March 2nd and 3rd. I hope you signed up. It will be worth it. We'll all meet there. We'll all sit together. And by the end of the conference, I really sincerely believe that it will be something that will will really encourage you. You know, I'm going to tell you this. I think we have a great marriage, my wife and I. And, you know, a lot of you are sitting back going, yeah, I don't need to go. Why would I need to go? You know, we've got it all figured out. Well, I'm glad you do after 40 years. I love going. And when I go and I see this little couple that's elderly, barely can get down there into their seat, and they get back out and they go back out, and I'll say, what are you doing here? Well, this is like the 15th Gary Chapman, um, you know, outreach ministries uh, seminars that we've been to. Really? That's amazing. Well, it is amazing because what they're doing is they're, they're working together. They're asking. They're realizing the importance of their marriage. Get Christian-based counseling when there is a need. But above all, go to God for help and prayer and work together. And then third and last, yield glory to God. Your relationship with your spouse should minister life to the world. Jesus calls us the salt of the earth. In Matthew 5:13, you can turn there or I'll read it. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13, and I love this scripture verse because I want now I want to bring in a reference to every individual that's here. But before I do that, I, I want to kind of give a little blur because every week I've had a book. This is the book. Last week was the five love languages. And it says, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. I encourage every couple to get it, have it in your home. It's wonderful. It's by Dr. Gary Chapman. I've seen him in person. And I know some couples in this room have also seen him. Year two of our ministry, um, we all went on a seminar with Dr. Gary Chapman. It's great. Another book that for this week that if you've got an opportunity, I always say put these in your library, will also be His Needs and Her Needs, Building an Affair-Proof Marriage by Willard Harley, Jr., You'll find it actually in your bulletin. If you'll note it, I use this a lot within my marriage counseling because I believe that there's a lot of wisdom and a lot of knowledge that's found in this book. Get it, and it's called His Needs and Her Needs. I want you to know that more than 500,000 copies are in print, so there's one just for you. And (laughs) so I hope you take it up. Let's read Matthew 5, verse 13. And it says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor or the flavor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, or they light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and giveth it light unto all that are in the house. That are all in the house. Wow, are you a light to your family? Are you a light to your kids? Are you a light to your spouse? And then it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and to glorify your Father which is in heaven. Salt cleanses and heals. Salt has an antiseptic quality to it. Your marriage should be a launch pad for ministry to others for help and healing. Once you receive help and healing, encourage that next couple to continue on working together, investing in that relationship. Salt preserves. Salt is a natural preservative. Your marriage should be a witness to God's design for marriage. 
and therefore preservative against all alternatives such as cohabitation or homosexuality. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Work together in your relationship. Make it work. You can do it. Salt season. Salt brings out the flavor. Your marriage should be a winsome witness to your children, to your family, and to a watching world. My daughters love when me and my wife smooch and kiss. You know, I remember when my mom and my stepdad would smooch and kiss. When we were kids, we were all like, (sighs) But you know what? It's really healthy. Your children need to see that affection and that love for one another. And then they always finish, and the conclusion is this. Get a room, Mom and Dad. Yeah. You know, and the reality is, marriage is wonderful. It's pure. It's sweet. as a wonderful flavor, so savor it. Work on it. Don't give up on it. And I know some of you have faced obstacles that are difficult. And some of you have faced some, some turmoil. Listen, I'm not saying go ahead, but you know, the Bible says in Moses, there's a, a letter of, that Moses wrote in the Old Law, and it's also brought up in the New Testament as well. A letter of divorcement because of fornication, idolatry, or adultery within the, the marriage. Some of you have faced some hardships, and my heart goes out to you. It really does. It breaks my heart to think what you've gone through in your life. Nobody should have to. But hopefully, men and women alike, both of you will hear today what I had to say. I'm going to ask you this question, and I really want you to think this through. Are others inspired by your marriage? Are others inspired by your marriage? Do they see that love? Do they see that affection and that encouragement in your home, in your church, and in your life. I hope so. I'm going to read something. Yesterday I got on the internet. I don't know if anybody else saw this. It was on the Huffington Post, the internet newspaper. This is dated January 14th. Did anybody see the ad about the individual who passed away? Listen to this. God put it there for me then. It must have just been on my computer. After spending 61 years together, a Pennsylvania couple died within just hours of each other. The Evening Sun reported... Nancy Trimmer passed away in her sleep at 12.25 a.m. on Sunday, while husband Richard Trimmer died just 12 hours later after learning of her death. The couple's children broke the news of their 81-year-old father, who was in the hospital at the time, recovering from a fall. He had also spent years fighting kidney failure, lung cancer, and heart problems, the York Dispatch noticed. According to the Associated Press, Trimmer repeatedly uttered the phrases, Pull me up and hold me tighter now in the moments leading up to his death. The high school sweethearts who had six children and ten grandchildren were inseparable. She didn't want to be in the house without him. Sue Trimmers, the couple's daughter-in-law, told the Associated Press, it was all just getting too hard, so God took care of it. While Richard and Nancy Trimmers' story is remarkable, A similar incident happened just last month when Leroy and Dorothy McLeod, an elderly couple from Florida, died within 36 hours of each other. Isn't that amazing? Because of that love they had for one another. They they kept going on and going on, and they worked, and they asked, 
and they renewed and they overlooked and they, they became united. They allowed trust and communication to be a part of their marriage. In conclusion, there was a story published on Valentine's Day about a couple named Paul and Mary Onisi from Niagara Falls who were celebrating their 80th wedding anniversary. One of their grandchildren's response to a question by the reporter showed the real impact of that couple's commitment. There had been no divorces among the couple's six children or 28 grandchildren. And the reporter inquired as to why the response from a granddaughter. In our family, no one ever wanted to get divorced because no one wanted to tell them. Your marriage can make a lasting impact on the lives of your children and your children's children. With the Lord's help, you and your spouse can turn the ordinary into extraordinary. You and your spouse can turn the ordinary into extraordinary. Are you a light to the world? If you're going to be a light to the world, be a light to your family. Be a light to your spouse. Be a light to your children. Learn to love. Man, it's great. Marriage is wonderful if you allow it to be wonderful. Don't nitpick. Nitpick just destroys and separates and divides. Encourage, lift up, help one another. And yes, we all have to say we've all had times where we've lacked and it's been difficult. But I want you today to really embrace your ordinary marriage. And I want people to look at your life and say it's extraordinary. I got a message on Facebook last evening that said this. I love the way you and your wife love each other. That's kind of how I read it. And I'm glad that they could see that. We're not getting on there to to publicize or write a book or, you know, but every once in a while it's nice to encourage. We were walking through our neighborhood and a lady stopped us and said, can I just tell you, since I became Facebook friends with you, our marriage has been encouraged. It's been enriched. Well, you hope and pray that every person that you touch in your life, that you'll be able to encourage and enrich their lives. But more than anything, let the love of God shine in your life. Don't let Satan blow it out. Let that little light of yours shine. Let your spouse see the love you have for them. And I challenge you this week. Do something special. Get the five love languages. Get his needs and her needs. Find it on your e-reader book or whatever you need to do and uh, learn the five love languages. It will invest and enrich your marriage as well as his needs and her needs and then encourage one another. I want to encourage you that next week we're going to do a little trading spaces, understanding your wife's needs. That will be next week's message. And I hope you'll come back. Bring somebody with you. If you know they're suffering, have them come and sit for 45 minutes and listen to what God has to say about their marriage. Let's all stand as we close. This morning, I don't know where you're at or what's going on, and I I just want you to, to know that I'm excited that you're here with your loved one and that you're here to, to draw closer to the Lord and draw closer to your mate, draw closer to your spouse. This morning, as we go to the Lord in prayer and we have a time of reflection and invitation, we're going to sing a song called Draw Me Close to You. Never let me go. Allow Christ 
Allow Christ to bring your marriage back. Don't let Satan win the battle because he wants to. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, we come to you and again, Lord, we bring our petition before you. Throw out a fleece and say, Father, we just pray that you will bless marriages that are here today. Father, I pray that you'll encourage them and uplift those that are here. Lord, we need your help. We need your strength. And Father, I just pray that as we move forward in our relationship, that Lord, you'll help us to to communicate and love one another and to submit to one another and to, to sacrifice our life for one another. Father, it breaks my heart for some that aren't here. But Lord, I know that they're struggling and they need to be here. But Father, I pray that you'll, Lord, bring them back at the appointed time. Thank you for those that are here, Lord. So we have this time of reflection. If there's somebody here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, may they come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Maybe they need baptized. Father, maybe it's for church membership. Whatever it is, Father, I pray that you'll bless. In your name we pray. Amen.